Good morning. Welcome to Genesis. Good to have you here this morning. The air conditioner is on. Okay. I see all the fans going. The doors are closing. It's good to have you with us this morning. Well, for the last four weeks, we've been having a conversation on momentum. And today we're going to be concluding our series on momentum. And we've been looking at how the things we do in life start to carry us and actually continue to drive us. And if we're not aware of these things, we'll find ourselves driven by the past instead of directing where we want to go at the present. We, we looked at love and talked about intimacy and how a lot of times we have brought into this area bad habits. We, we want to shortcut this idea of what love is and we see that God has given us this desire for love, for companionship, but to engage in it, we really have to be intentional and we need to develop it. It has to have conversation. It's not something that just falls. It's not something that just happens in spite of whatever movies you've seen. Love is a lot of work. It's always amazing to me how a movie can move us and it's like a beautiful story and how these people just get so deep in love and it's in, you know, 90 minutes. It's like, when does that happen? How does that happen? But love is intentional and it requires us to involve ourselves in those conversations. We talked about habits and addictions. The things that we start to do become the things that we get used to doing become the things that we have to do. And God, again, has created us with a a position that we are to have dominion over the world, that's what it means to be created in his image. We are now to be able to create the future that we want. But when fear sets in in those things, all of a sudden we find ourselves wanting to take control. And because we feel out of control, we go to something that gives us control. And many times those are things that aren't healthy for us. And what we need to do instead of just stopping a behavior, what we need to really do is start the right behaviors. And so getting out of addiction isn't just stopping whatever it is you're doing. It's turning in a different direction and start doing something else. Start living in a way that gives you more purpose, gives you more direction. And then we talked about our resources, how we are supposed to be people of influence and not just people of consumption. That with our resources, we can have the power to actually change the world around us. And so maybe our life has been one where we've grown up just spending money and just using things to please ourselves. And then we come to a place where we realize, well, we have these resources. I can actually change the world around me. I can actually invest in things that further what God is doing in the lives of people. And so it's not just for me. It's actually for God and and allowing God to use everything that I have, including my resources, including my finances. Last week we talked about fear and how fear oftentimes becomes a a place that we can actually take refuge in. As strange as that sounds, fear becomes normal to us. And we start to have this impending doom. Whenever something good is happening, it's like, okay, well, you know something bad is going to happen now. Why do you know that? Because it always does. 
Well, life has ups and downs. It doesn't mean something bad has to happen. And isn't life more than just these circumstances you're going through? Isn't life more than just what we possess? Even just our health. And so we saw to stop the momentum of fear, we need to recognize God's love and intention for us. And this morning we're going to conclude and we're going to talk about people. And this is probably the most important area in this whole conversation of momentum. And you think of momentum with people, what, what kind of momentum is that? What kind of momentum do we have with people? Well, your life is connected to people. And the relationships that you have involves those people. And if you are not aware of those relationships and how they're influencing you, pretty soon how you've done things might not be a healthy way of how you interact with people, but it's the way you know. When you were a kid, I bet most of you couldn't wait to go outside and play, right? Most of you. There's a few of you. That's a whole different talk. Okay, we'll, we'll get there someday. But most of us want to connect to our friends. I can remember when I was in fifth grade and it was summer break and I had a great summer. You know, what do you do when you're a kid? I mean, anything you want, kind of ride your bike. You just, I mean, that was the life, right? And then school was coming and I used to get like an anxious feeling to go back to school. Anxious because I wanted to see my friends. And I can remember fifth grade, the first day of school, I saw one of my buddies who was in my class the previous year. His name was Malcolm. And me and Malcolm were good buddies. And, you know, when you're in fifth grade, how do you go see Malcolm when he lives miles away? Well, you don't, you know, because he lives miles away. Unless you take a bus. I ain't going to do that. So you just kind of hang out with your friends in the neighborhood. But there was Malcolm. And I, hey, Malcolm, hey, Sam. I go, and I just wanted to give Malcolm a hug because I was like so excited to see Malcolm. And I go up there and Malcolm punches me in the arm. Hey, boom. I go, oh, wow. I guess the feeling's not mutual. You know, I, I was really happy to see you until just now. You know, but I can remember that longing to be with my friends. But as time goes on, Pretty soon, I don't know where it changed, but all of a sudden it's like, I just want to be by myself. I don't want anybody over. It's an inconvenience. Just need me time. And pretty soon, me time becomes all the time. And we stop having this desire for interacting with people. What happened? What changed? where I used to have this anticipation, longing for people, and now I just want some time alone. And as we get older, you see that happening more and more. People start to isolate themselves from the world around them. Pretty soon there's no interaction at all, except maybe with family. And, and I think there's some reasons for that, and we want to look at those things Right now, So if you have a copy of the scriptures, open it to 1 John. If you need a copy, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Alex will run one down to you as soon as he's finished. There's one over here, Alex, or someone. Okay, and we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4. 
starting at verse 7. John writes and he says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God that love of God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must love, also love their brother and sister. Let's pray. Father, as we talk about these words and others, may our hearts be open to all that you would speak to us. And Father, may we start to lean into this area that maybe has become awkward for us, difficult for us in interacting with other people. And may we understand clearly what our lives are supposed to look like so that we can live lives that are full, that are complete. We do ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So as John talks about love, he talks about love in a way that connects us directly to God. He who loves God loves his brother also. If you don't love your brother, you can't love God. Why? Because this is how God loved us. He sent his son for us. And this is what love looks like. It has to do with this idea of giving. It has to do with these kinds of things where we recognize that love is actually something that takes place between people. And it's supposed to take place between us and God and between us and one another. And it's very important that it does. In fact, this is the evidence of God in the world. What's the evidence of God? It's how we love each other. 
I mean, he says that a few times in verse 12. He says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. What's he saying? He's saying no one can see God, but they can see you. And how you interact with one another is how they are going to see God. And so this interaction is a very important thing. How we interact with one another is something that is going to probably be the most influential part of our lives. Your relationships with people is going to determine the quality of life you have. If you have good friends, good relationships, it's going to transfer into your life overall. You will have a good life, even if you don't have a lot of money, even if you don't have a good health. If you have good relationships, you will find that you have a good life. And the reverse is true. If you don't have good relationships... If you aren't close to people or don't have healthy relationships, it doesn't matter if you have good health. It doesn't matter if you have a lot of money and a lot of things. Your life will not be a life of quality or good quality. Why? Because it's all about those relationships. And so if life is about these relationships and if God is seen in how we interact with one another... And we are to be like Jesus, even as he said, we are like Jesus in this world. And how does that show up? It shows up in how you are with other people. If people are so important, why do we spend so little time investing how to interact with people? Why is it secondary or maybe third dairy or fourth dairy. I mean, it's not even on the top three. If it's so important, shouldn't we think about how to make it something that is good, something that is healthy, something that adds to our life? But maybe your past has been one where You've been burned by people. You've been punched in the arm. And worse. And so now you're gun shy. You don't have many friends. Some people don't have friends outside of family. It's only my family. It's only my family I trust. Some people, it's the reverse. (laughs) I don't trust my family. I have a few friends. You don't want to step out into the area of relationships because, let's face it, it's risky. And it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of time and it requires a lot from you. And so many times what we do is, because relationships are so challenging, so complex, so difficult, we realize that they can create incredible pain, incredible difficulty, but they also are the source of incredible joy and fulfillment. And if we don't recognize that and push into developing relationships with people, then we are going to be one of those people who becomes a shut-in, 
We have fewer and few pe- fewer people in our lives and the relationships we have are surface at best. They're not deep. We have no one deep that we can talk to. And so now our best friend is the TV and Lifetime. <laughs> not picking on anyone in particular. Because that's where we get our interaction. And we laugh about it, but it's true. You know how many people watch TV in a way to get that relationship? They are closer to the characters they see on a program than they are to anyone in their real life. Why? Because they have let the past and the relationships that they had or maybe haven't had dictate how they're living. And what John is telling us is that God so loved this world that he gave, he stepped into it, even though it was costly to him. And that is what we are supposed to do. In fact, God's love can't fully be seen, can't fully be recognized if we don't do that. And so you're here this morning and you say, I'm a a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus. And then the challenge is then, so how much are you loving people like Jesus? How much involved in people's lives are you? Or are you a Christian at your convenience? But man, don't, don't ask me to get involved with something. Don't ask me, don't call me on the phone to, to come and help. I just, I, I'll, me and God have my our thing going, you know, but don't push me into more. I, I want to be secure in this, and that's all I need to be secure in. And, and I'll love those who, who I can get love back from. I'll love those who it's safe, and maybe that is the family, or maybe it's, you know, one person, or maybe, you know, it's the TV. But you see, that's not what love looks like. Turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Remember, how we choose to interact with one another will determine the quality of our lives. How you choose to interact with people is going to determine the quality of your life. And so turn to Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 32. And Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back, then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Now this is where it starts to get tough because now he's asking of us things that are uncomfortable. I will give as long as it's not going to cost me too much, as long as it's not going to hurt me as long as it's not uncomfortable. But I don't want to give to someone who makes it awkward. 
someone who expects too much or who I just really have a hard time being around. I don't want to show kindness to that person. And maybe you have friends like this. You know, you have relationships that people call on you for help. And they're always needing help. But they're never watering the friendship tree. You know what I'm saying? It's like they always call, hey, uh, I'm wondering, can I borrow your truck for a week? I want to go to Las Vegas and help someone move. Um, I don't know, man. I'm not sure about that. Maybe I can let you borrow it for a few days. Okay, okay. And then they call again. Hey, I was wondering, can you help me take care of this? And like, okay, I'll help you do that. And then, hey, can you help me? And it's like, hey, give some this way, okay? And then when you call them and you say, hey, can you help me take some stuff to Goodwill? It's a little heavy for me. Oh, man, I'd love to, bro. But I really can't right now. No, my fantasy football thing's going on, and, and it's really important. i got to be there for this, you know, because otherwise it's going to... I mean, there are times my, my wife is, is... She's one of those people where if you call her, she's there. I shouldn't have said that because now you're all going to call her. Sorry. <laughs> and her number is 411. No, uh, but so many times, someone will call her and I'll go, what's happening? Oh, someone's called, you know, and they want to meet and they're going through some things they want to meet for lunch. Okay, well, that's great. Well, don't you have this? To- yeah, I know, but I can do this and I can do this and, you know, I don't have to do this. And I don't. And she'll, she'll go out of her way to just take care of that friendship. She's like that. But I know there's been times where she calls and say, hey, you want to meet for lunch? Because she wants to get out. She has a time and then it's like, no, I'm busy. Can't do that. No, I don't feel like it. I don't want to do that. And I was like, man, that's not cool. You see, it's really about giving because when you give, that's really when you're supposed to develop and benefit. And if you love those who just love you back, you're not really doing anything special. But when you step out of your way and help someone who is helpless, who can't give back to you, well, then you're actually showing this love and then you're actually extending yourself. And when you extend yourself, you find that God is there with you and he's actually changing you how you think and how you interact with people. Because now it's not just something that you get, it's something that you actually are like God in that you give. That you actually care that you are actually involved with that person's life. And he goes on a little further down. In chapter 6, verse 41. It says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so he's saying, you know, you're casting this judgment. 
You're supposed to love those who are outside of your comfort zone. You're supposed to extend yourself to them, but you don't want to because that guy's a jerk. That person is, you know, man, you don't know. I know a lot about that person, and God's saying, excuse me, do you want me to reveal all I know about you? Have you forgotten who you are? Have you forgotten... God's love's been extended to you with all your junk. And if you're going to deal with others, you have to deal with yourself. And probably the most important thing in interacting with people is recognizing who you are so that you can deal with others in a way that is accurate. Because we all have an inflated idea of ourselves. We all do. We all think of ourselves in a way that's a little bit skewed because we are us. And you know this, when you see someone do something that's wrong, but it's something that you do as well, it looks worse on them. If they lie, man, they're such a liar. When you lie, well, I had to. I didn't want to get in trouble. Oh, but when they lie, oh, that dirty, rotten scoundrel, well, maybe they didn't want to get in trouble either. It looks worse on them, but it looks bad on you, and you don't see it. And so when you're in an interaction with other people, if you don't see things clearly, maybe you're one of the people that they're saying, yeah, no thanks, I don't want to be around that person because of how that person is, because of how that person acts, because of that person and what they're doing and their interaction with me isn't always comfortable, so I, I too choose to stand away, stand at a distance. And so what we really need is to have some self-discipline and deal with these things. And so there's a few things that I think are important for us to recognize if we're going to deal with other people. One is how do others see you? It doesn't matter how you feel about them. It matters how they see you. Because you might think, oh, I like them. They're a good person. Do they know that? Do you tell them that? I have to be aware of this with my relationship with my wife. Have I expressed my love to her in the things that I do, in the things that I say, in how I act? Because I love her. I don't have to say I love her. I love her. She knows. No, she doesn't. Not if she doesn't hear it. Not if she doesn't see it. Not if I don't convey it in some way. Your friends, do they know you care? Yeah, they know I care. How? Because I hang out with them. Oh, what privilege they have. (laughs) You hang out with them. You must be so special. You see, you, you don't even realize that you expect them to take you as you are, and not have to deal with how you show up for them. And if you don't recognize that, you become one of those people who just uses people, and pretty soon you have fewer and fewer friendships. I remember years ago I was in a a band at a church, and it was a good group. We had a good band, and it was a pretty large church, and we'd get together and, and practice And we had a lot of talent. And I remember the drummer, his name was Scott. He was a young guy, a lot of energy, good drummer, kind of an emotional guy. You know, those artists, you know, they can be so emotional. And 
the bass player was super talented. The guy was really good, but the guy was awkward and kind of would put you off. He was really kind of demeaning. And even though Scott was a great drummer, he didn't like playing with this bass player. And I remember I was leading the group and Scott came up to me and he says, you know, man, I think I'm going to, I'm going to leave the group. I think you need to get another drummer. I was like, oh, what's wrong, man? We really, you know, click with you. He goes, yeah. He mentioned this guy's name. He goes, I don't know. I, I just, I, it's too much work. It's a lot of labor. And I was like, okay, you know, all right, man. Well, we're going to miss you. He goes, I'll be here, you know, for, until you find someone who replaces me. I said, okay. In that time, within the next week, the bass player got a job somewhere else and moved and left. And then we got another bass player, and everyone called him Dancing Rob, because Rob was fun. When Rob played bass, it was, he's just smiling, he's like, oh. He'd sit there with Scott, oh. Week after Dancing Rob was on the team, Scott came up to me, he goes, I'm in. I'm staying. I love it here. What was the difference? It was Dancing Rob. <laughs> Dancing Rob changed the environment for the whole band. Your relationships are infectious. They influence the people around you. How are they influencing them? Do you recognize how people see you and then reflect on how you come across? See, if the other bass player would have just stopped and said, how am I coming across? Instead of, yeah, I know my part. Yeah, I'm doing my thing. Hey, you should be happy with that. If he would have thought, you know what? I can see that I'm making Scott a little uncomfortable. I can see that he's a little tense. I need to do what I can to kind of reach out for him. He doesn't have to, you know, be fake. He doesn't have to be phony. He's not dancing Rob. He's not going to be sitting there. But he could have reached out and just said, Hey, Scott, I really like that, Phil. Good job. Little things like that make a big difference. But you see, so many times we won't step out there. We don't want to say, Good job. We don't want to spend the compliment. You know, for years, the way I interacted with people was put them down. And I was good. It was joking. Ha, ha, ha. And some of you have been at the brunt of my joking. No laughing back there. It was just my way of humor. Ha, ha, I'm interacting. Yeah, I like you. And I'm going to put you down. Why... Because that's what I did in school. I was getting punched in the arm and that's how we interacted. And so that became how I did things. And I have become aware that I need to build people up. I don't want to put them down. Even joking. It's easy to joke and put someone down. It's difficult to build someone up. It's easy to interact with someone and just be, oh yeah, yeah, and you kind of just batter back and forth. But what I need to do is intentionally try and elevate people. So I need to stop that and it's become a habit. It's been my momentum. This is how I interact. This is how I show you I like you. I punch you in the arm. Verbally. And I have to stop that. Because I, I need to think of how I'm coming across 
I, I think I'm joking. I think, oh yeah, you know, it's all good and fun. You know that, right? You know that. Yeah, but you hear those things and they affect you. It's that infectious connection that we have and how am I infecting the people around me? Do I think about that? Do I think about, wow, every time I go and talk to them, I'm kind of joking, but I'm putting them down. When was the last time I told them how much I appreciated them? When is the last time I tried to build them up and point out the qualities that are good in them? And so I've determined, and I haven't gotten it down yet, but I am determined not to be a person who's putting people down. I want to be a person who builds people up. And so instead of joking around and slamming you, I want to be someone who looks at you and finds those things that are value in you, find those things that I can exhort and lift up and try and lift those things up. Why? Because I need that, and I know you do too. I've been punched in the arm a lot as well. And I know the people who pour out refreshing things that elevate my soul. And I know what that feels like when someone says, hey, I really appreciate this. Thank you for being there. You don't know how much it means to me. And it swells inside me. It's like, that's why I'm alive. That's what I'm here to live for. That's what I want to do. That's how people know God is alive because of those things that we do for one another. So I need to be a person who lifts up. And so I need to reflect on those things. How am I coming across to others? There's uh, one time on Oprah, the father from Little People, Big World, the show that used to be on, she was talking to him and said, well, how is it seeing yourself on TV? And he said, you know what? It's been very illuminating. He was watching one of the episodes that had and one of his sons came up to him and asked him to do something and he saw his face when his son asked him to do something because it was going to take him out of what he was doing. It was inconveniencing him. And he says, when I saw my face, I cringed. I had no idea that I looked like that and it made me feel terrible. Now, we don't have reality show cameras following us at least we don't some of us should and we don't see the expressions on our face but our friends do our kids do and we need to be aware of those things we need to reflect on how we come across to other people And then what we need to do is we need to rewrite how we live with others. We need to make a change because nothing will change if nothing changes. If you say, yeah, those are all good points. Yeah, those are all good things. Yeah, I really need to to show more kindness. I really need to be a living example of God's love. Even as he gave, I need to give to others. Yeah, those are all good things. You need to rewrite your story. You need to rewrite how you live. You need to step out of that comfort zone. You need to go and say hello to somebody who you don't want to. Why? Because God loves them. You need to get the speck out or the plank out of your eye and stop worrying. That guy's weird. That guy's sitting there across the room saying, that guy's weird. You guys are perfect for each other. We need to 
get rid of those things and see how God sees. This doesn't mean you're foolish. This doesn't mean you don't have discretion. It doesn't mean you trust everybody. But you need to rewrite how you're living with other people so that you don't continue down the path of isolation, down a path what separates and holds people at a distance from you. Because when you are doing that, you don't look anything like Jesus. And we don't even realize that we do it. Oh, we have our friends. Oh, I'm close with my friend. We're buddy, buddy. We always hang out together. We always go together. But someone else goes, hey, how's it going? Oh, good. Shine them on. Why? I don't want them hanging around with me. I want to have fun today. And it doesn't mean you have to be buddy-buddy. You know, hey, we're best friends now. You can't be best friends with everybody. But you have to reach out and you have to show care. You have to love even as God loves you. You need to recognize that that person, you could be their dancing Rob. You could pull them out of whatever state they're in just by showing up in their lives, by actually being present there, by actually making the effort to say hello. And now some of you are like, well, I just, I don't know how to meet people. I'm shy. I, I have a difficult time. You know what? I understand that. I really do. Even though I stand up here and talk on Sundays, I am very introverted. I'm one of those people who had to step out and probably the most helpful thing in my life in getting out of this being introverted was when I had to do sales because otherwise I would starve, okay? It's like if I don't sell any wood, my family isn't going to eat. We're going to lose our home. So I got to go talk to people who I don't know and try and sell them wood that I don't know if they want. And yeah, that's a lot of fun, walking into a place. Hi, you don't know me. I'm a complete stranger to you. But I'd like to be your friend. And I'd like to sell you some wood. What do you think about that? You know, how do you come across? I don't want to be phony. I want to be genuine. But I have to step into this place that's uncomfortable. And I had to do it. And it changed me. Because I wasn't that, hey, how are you? I couldn't be that person. I had to be genuine. And so I stepped into those dynamics. And, and I can remember one of my clients when I left the company where I was at and I had these clients and I told one of the guys that I was leaving, he started crying. And he said, I'm going to miss you. He goes, I trusted you. I said, I wish you would have bought from me more, but I'm glad you trusted me. <laughs> but I actually developed a relationship, one where he was sad, and he actually was gave me a hug afterwards, and, and I developed a relationship. He knew I was a follower of Christ. I got to share my faith with him. His daughter was going to a church, a Spanish-speaking church, and I talked with her about her dad. We prayed about her family. And I became a part of the family. Why? Just because I stepped into this place as a lumber salesman and actually cared. And it made a difference. 
Maybe what you can do, if you're having a hard time, I, I just don't feel comfortable, I need to get to know people. You know, one of the best ways to interact and get to know people is to serve with people. You go and you work alongside someone, pretty soon you become comrades. You, you become friends. Why? Because we work together. You go to Mexico and you serve together and pretty soon, hey, we've been to Mexico together. We fought off the flies we served the orphans. We kept the orphans safe from Gabe. <laughs> You'll have to go with us to find out what that means. <laughs> Sorry, Gabe, I am putting you down. <laughs> and so we're having a young adult work trip on the 15th. You say, I don't know anybody. That might be an opportunity for you to go. Well, I'm 30. That's still young adult. Don't worry. The whole idea is to get people who can work to go there and work. So if you can work, you can go. Stepping into those areas where now you get around people and you're doing similar things, you get to know people, and afterwards, hey, you want to get something to eat? Yeah, let's go get something to eat. I met my wife at church. We started hanging out together. Just letting you guys know, those of you who are single, think good things happen. Going to church. <laughs> but you get involved with those things and you find yourself interacting with people, giving of yourself, not holding back, and then you see that the dynamic starts to change. And what this does is it brings us in union with each other, but it also brings us in union with God. Turn with me lastly to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. When people talk about communion, so many times the idea of communion is one where it's just about us and God. John chapter 17, Jesus said, Lord, I pray that they would be one even as you and I are one. We just read in John, 1 John, that we are to love one another. By this, all people are going to see that we belong to him. This is how God is manifested in us. And so when we think of communion, it's not just something that happens between us and God. And when Paul was writing to the Corinthian church about communion, about the love feast, what he was dealing with was the problem they had, not with God, but with each other. And so he says in verse 17, in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have, been, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this manner. In other words, you come, you have plenty, but there's someone here who has nothing and you have no concern for him. You're not taking the Lord's Supper. That has nothing to do with Jesus. How you love 
people is how you love God. You're not loving them. What you're doing is awful. I can't give you any praise in that. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this club, cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You are preaching Christ when you partake of communion. What are you preaching? That he gave himself for you. That he gave himself for them. This is what it's about. It's about recognizing that God has given. He goes on, he says, So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Oh my goodness, what is an unworthy manner? I've heard this so many times and it angers me. People say, well, is there any sin in your life? Yeah. How about you? Who doesn't have sin in there? Well, if there's sin in your life, you can't partake of it. Then none of us will ever partake of it. The whole reason Jesus died is so we who are in sin can enjoy a relationship with God. That's not what he's speaking about. He's speaking about an unworthy matter is that how you're treating your brother. If you're not treating him kindly, then it's not right. It's not the Lord's table. And judgment will befall on you because you are putting your brother in a position of despising them. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about if you're good enough. It makes me so angry when I hear it. I don't know if you can tell that, but I get angry. Don't you dare tell someone they're not good enough to come to the Lord's table. That's why it's there. But it's also there so that when you come to the Lord's table, you go to each other. That's communion. That's bringing the union of God in our lives with each other. We need to check our hearts. If there are some people that you have a hard time with, do you despise them? You don't have to like everything they do. You don't have to like their perfume or their breath or the clothes they wear. That's not what it's talking about. Do you despise them? Do you think them less than you? Do you not see the plank in your eye? How are you coming across to them? Can you understand how they see God in you because of how you represent God to them? If you don't, that's an unworthy manner. That's what he's talking about here. It has nothing to do whether you sinned last night. Can't come and take partake of the Lord's table. Sorry. No, do you despise the people around you? Because that's what he's talking about. Verse 28, he says, everyone ought to examine. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment to themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regarding to ourselves, in other words, if we thought about how we're behaving with others, 
we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. Your life is connected to the people around you. The good, the bad, the ugly. Your life is influencing everyone around you, your family, your friends, your coworkers, in some way. And if you don't recognize how you are interacting with these people, if you don't stop and look at how they perceive you, how you're coming across, if you don't examine yourself in this matter to see if you're representing yourself or change the way you do that, and if God isn't then through you being seen and how you care for those other people, you're missing out and you're misrepresenting God. And I don't care if you go to church. I don't care if you know your Bible. I know people who know the Bible backwards and forward, and they're jerks. And you do too, probably. And, and they treat people with disrespect, and they use people, and they do it in the name of Jesus. That's not representing the Lord. If God loved them. We love them. If God loves us, we need to show the grace that God has given to us to those around us because the only way God is going to be seen is going to be through you and how you treat other people. How are you treating other people? Now, maybe as we're talking about this, someone is in your mind who you just despise right now. I understand that. I'm not asking you to accept the things that they've done that are wrong. They're still wrong. I'm not asking you to go and say, hey, buddy, you know, I know you, you know, took my wife away from me. Let's go out to lunch. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to not let the bitterness that is there dictate how you behave. And you can see them in the light of all that they've done, but also see it with an eye that is clear from the log that is there and the things that you've done. You can still address people in a way that represents God. You don't have to be buddy-buddy and tolerate everything they do. But you still need to represent God when you encounter them. And sometimes that's not beating the crap out of them. Serious. <laughs> you should see the expressions I just got right now. But Serious. Sometimes that's the self-restraint that you have to show because that's what you want to do. And you recognize, I can't do that because I am more than that. But more than that one person, there are all those other people who you interact with or maybe you don't interact with 
who need your interaction. They just need a hello. They need an invitation. You want to join us for lunch. They need some way of you extending yourself to them. That's what this is about. We're going to move into the area of communion right now. This is one of those sacred things that we do as believers in Christ. Because it not only unites us to God, but it unites us to each other. And so as we've been talking about the momentum of our lives and how we relate to people, I want this to be an opportunity where we see what Jesus has done for us and we remember as we partake of the the cup that this love extended to us is now to move through us to those around us. They need to know that they are loved. They're going to know they are loved because you and I show them love. Communion isn't just about you and God. It's about you, God, and others. You can't love God who you haven't seen if you don't love your brothers and sisters who you do see. When you come to this table and partake, and say, God, I love you, he says, do you love those around you? Because they are partaking of the same elements, the same love that you are. They are in need of the same forgiveness that you are. We are in the same boat. We need each other. And the way this is going to work as they're singing and doing the song, you can come up on your own to the table. There's one on each side. You can take the bread and you can dip it in to the grape juice. And if you want, you can partake it right there at the table. If you want, you can take it back to your seat. Okay, but you're just dipping it one time in there and then you're taking it out. Just so some of you know, no double dipping. Okay, we're not... But what I want you to think about as you do this and as you think about what Jesus has done for you, Jesus is saying that's how people are going to know that I'm here because you care for them the way I care for you. And your relationships with other people are going to affect everything about you and the world around you. And if you don't engage in the people around you, you won't be engaging in the love that God has for you and for them. Father, as we pause and we reflect on what it means to to take these elements, to take this bread, which you told us is your body broken for you, to take this cup, this juice, and recognize this was your blood poured out for us. This is how much you gave. Lord, in this time, with this in mind, May this be our example of how we are to behave with those around us. That we are to care not just for ourselves, but we are to esteem others as more important. That we are not to just look at our own interests, but to the interests of others. That we are to be a people who actually do care. That we are to be people who extend ourselves and know how 
to extend ourselves in a way that is welcoming, in a way that is sincere, in a way that brings health and wholeness, that a way, a way that brings the ability to make someone want to stay connected to you because I enjoy this person. Might we be the dancing rob to somebody around us that just makes life better. So Lord, as we partake together, I pray that you would knit our hearts not only to you, but to one another. And I do ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on up as you want to partake of the elements. Bread and in the cup of your love for us. Lord, it is a tangible reminder of what you've done. And may our lives be tangible to those around us with your love for them. We thank you again for this time. Thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.